newspapers are biased, the Idaho Press Club are biased, all media, newspaper, radio. To be completely blunt here, Brian, and there are plans to expand indoctrination. That's right. Well, Idahoans are also concerned. Horror shot. That line would be moving a little bit farther west. I'm like crying. Nobody wants to Dark see. Dark money is influencing policy in our state. Well, that's not how this works. Well, hello there and welcome to Nowhere to Hide. My name is Brian Hyde, and it's a pleasure to sit down with you at least twice a week to uh, share some insights on media deception as well as encouraging clear, independent thinking. Now, of course, that means you don't have to agree with anything that I say. In fact, if you strongly disagree, I would consider it a great personal uh, favor if you were to tell all your friends just how horrible and dangerous I am so that they can avoid this show at all costs. Please tell everybody you can. Wink. Nonetheless, we're going to be talking about open primaries and political swingers, which I think is kind of an apt metaphor for for the way that the open primary system is being attacked here in Idaho. There are people who are, uh, shall we say, a little less than committed to the Republican Party. We should be seeing other people. We should be seeing uh, other ideologies and perhaps embracing other principles. You know, it's it's very much like the, the person who's trying to persuade their spouse, you know, honey, we need to have an open marriage. And and yet uh, it's fidelity to principle just as infidelity to a, as as fidelity to a marriage is what to bring strength and and sanctity and you know effectiveness to uh, to a marriage as well as to the efforts of of the uh, GOP in the state of Idaho but boy the effort right now to to do away with the closed primary system that currently exists and to instead replace it with an open primary, in other words, to see other people, wink, wink, and uh, to bring about ranked choice voting, it, the, the effort has really been stepped up. There's a lot of, uh, do I dare say this, dark money coming in from out of state, California in particular. And nowhere will you see greater joy than in the ranks of those pushing for the open primaries initiative than when someone in authority, perhaps formerly in authority, comes to their side. Case in point, here's the ultimate appeal to authority. Former Governor Butch Otter, Idaho Capital Sun misspelled his name here, but that's okay, endorsed the open primary ballot initiative on Wednesday, becoming the highest profile member of a group of more than 100 Republicans who support the initiative. Now, again, this Yes, he's a former governor, and there are those who maintain, well, you know, Butch Otter, that guy was a rock-ribbed conservative, and that's why, you know, it's a good thing. This is a classic appeal to authority, though. Why, if Butch Otter is for this, then any decent-thinking Idahoan should be. Well, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> I do know that, uh, again, this, this is, uh, this is a, an establishment move, meaning the people who are really backing this, Republican or otherwise— are more interested in power. They are not interested in maintaining limits on government power, and that's one of the reasons why they call anybody who does maintain those limits or who um, campaigns on keeping government within its bounds as some kind of an extremist. And you can see this in some of the, the people who are celebrating this. Um, I'll give you a couple of pretty good examples of this. First and foremost, uh, Krista Hazel. That's her tweet down there at the bottom. The closed primary system isn't working for most Idahoans. We can fix this. Join the movement to open the primary. Now, Krista pretends to be a Republican. Um, her actions say absolutely otherwise. She is a dedicated leftist, hasn't met any leftist cause yet that she won't embrace. Uh, Maria Olson, Nate, thank you for fixing this statement for her. The closed primary system isn't working for Democrats. And she's right. 
It's, it's not working for Democrats, which is why they would like to basically turn the Republican Party into a uniparty by breaking down all barriers and just allowing anybody to, to come into the primary and, and pretend that they're a Republican. I don't think we're done with Krista here. In fact, uh, I think she had some other strong words here. Here we go. Butch Otter has more conservative authenticity and credentials in his back hip pocket of his well-fitting jeans than Dorothy Moon could ever hope to have. The rhetoric is so thick, I think it's comical. I recall when Butch practiced his bullwhip on the Capitol lawn. Who is Idaho GOP kidding? Now, of course, the Idaho GOP was saying, look, this group led by Butch Otter, claims to be reasonable Republicans while unreasonably opposing the Republican National Committee, the Idaho State Republican Party, Republican legislators, and the will of the Republican grassroots. Now, there's a name for these imposters, but it isn't Republican. And, and I think the analogy here of, you know, open primaries, open marriage probably applies too. I mean, Krista, you have, you have a rather unhealthy uh, obsession or at least fixation on uh, those uh, well-fitting genes of Butch Otter. So I don't know, you know, what his status is, but uh, if he's a happily married man, you might want to consider, you know, backing it off a notch, unless you're into that kind of thing. Moving on, the idea behind the open primaries really comes down to this. And I thought this was actually a pretty fitting meme. You should all change your core values and beliefs so I fit in. When you hear people say this is why it's not working, that's really what it comes down to. It's it's a, a call to we've got to water down the principles and we've got to water down the standards and in particular, the willingness to stand against unreasonable government. Now, there's that that word, reasonable. Well, reasonable Republicans, pragmatic Republicans, you know, they're not concerned with right and wrong. They just want to know what works and what doesn't. I believe that's that's kind of the approach that Jim Jones, former attorney general, is taking in this. But the fact remains, if you're going to embrace proper limits on government. There are times you're going to have to say no, no matter how unreasonable some people may call it. And people who want to expand power can be very unreasonable, or at least they can call you unreasonable in their quest for ever more power. So I wanted to, to shed some light with the help of Wayne Hoffman from the Idaho Freedom Foundation about Butch Otter's record as governor. Butch is being held up as kind of the archetype of a conservative, and therefore, if he's for open primaries, why it must be a good thing. But Let's let's have a little reality check here. Wayne reminds us that Butch Otter's record as governor wasn't a conservative one. In fact, he says, let's take a little stroll down memory lane to remind Idahoans of Otter's abandonment of conservative principles throughout his disastrous tenure as the state government CEO. These are some of the things that Butch that Butch did. And yes, Wayne provides links in the article at idahofreedom.org to show you exactly where this, this took place. He didn't just make these up out of thin air. Giving away multi-million dollar pensions to his cronies in the legislature, spending the state into oblivion at every opportunity, probably use the word investment when making those expenditures, implementing Obamacare in Idaho and getting frustrated that he couldn't expand government welfare even more, starting a multi-million dollar corporate welfare program giving tax breaks to out-of-state big businesses at the expense of existing Idaho companies, binding Idaho to an international child support treaty that injures state oversight and autonomy, vetoing a bill to let makeup artists work without having to get a government license, vetoing a bill to reform Idaho's civil asset forfeiture laws. That's a big one right there. Otherwise, you have legalized theft by people in state costumes. Vetoing a bill to let parents use CBD oil for their children with intractable epilepsy. Vetoing a repeal of the grocery tax. Raising gas taxes and fees. And as Wayne points out, that's just the highlight reel. 
Okay, there's there's more to this. So he says, let's not act too terribly surprised that Otter is now backing a plan to rig Idaho's elections by instituting ranked choice voting and turning back the clock on Idaho's closed primary system. Now, listen to his explanation here. Otter's upset because politicians of his ilk, the lefty kind who love big government, bought and paid for and run by special interests, are now having a harder time getting their big government initiatives through the legislature. Why? Well, because the body is the most conservative it has ever been. And actual, honest-to-goodness conservative Republicans are asking a lot of questions about Idaho's regulations, taxes, and incubation of social justice and school indoctrination programs, problems that either emerged or were afforded protection during Otter's term as governor. So it's not like, wow, the conservatives finally saw the light. No, it's just Otter's true colors are being revealed here. When Otter was in his first term in Congress in 2000, Wayne writes, his mentor, Ralph Smead, asked Otter to write a preface to a booklet version of Ezra Taft Benson's Proper Role of Government essay. Ralph would always rhetorically ask of Wayne, do you know why I asked Butch to do that? To which Ralph would answer, to keep him honest. Ralph explained that Otter's commitment to conservative and libertarian ideas was tenuous. Tying his name to Benson's essay was intended to serve as a reminder of his role in keeping government in its place and to keep Otter in check. Although Wayne notes it, uh, it rarely worked. So again, looking at Otter's record, it's not like uh, we can say, oh yeah, he, he was always, you know, a hardcore conservative and you could see it by his actions. Sometimes, however, though, Wayne points out Otter amazed, such as when he cast one of the few votes against the Patriot Act in 2001. Hey, good for him. But most often, Otter found ways to prove Ralph right. The governor was unreliable at best and at worst, a willing conduit for the expansion of government and control by the likes of the Idaho Association of Commerce and Industry, the Idaho Education Association, and the Idaho Hospital Association. Seems like we see uh, similar problems or conflicts of interest with, uh, with Governor Brad Little at this point in time. So, yeah, we've got this big, high-profile Republican among 100 Republicans, but are, are they Republicans who actually hold two principles, like the Republican Party platform, or are they Republicans in name only who just want to continue to be partakers of that spoil system and support the establishment uh, folks who make that possible? I think these are fair questions to ask. Now, let's talk a little bit about uh, why open primaries and ranked choice voting may not be such a great idea. One thing that Wayne points out here is he questions, do we have the wherewithal to fight the latest crazy, bad, awful, downright dangerous to Idaho plan that Otter's pushing? And he points out here, you know, that we we know he's helping a known leftist organization reclaim Idaho, undertake a complete rigging of Idaho's elections so leftists have a better chance of winning. And if he's successful, this will damage Idaho in in ways more measurable than any other policy Otter pushed during his tenure. I I was trying to find it, and I'm going to have to look for it. I'll have to probably bring it up in a future episode. But looking at uh, who Reclaim Idaho donates to, Man, it was just Democratic Party, Idaho Democratic Party after Idaho Democratic Party over and over again. So, you know, if if they're they're voting with their wallets, guess what? They're certainly not voting with people who, you know, would represent, you know, traditional values, conservative values, limited government values. You know, the people that are, are being labeled as extremists on on every uh, at every turn. Nevertheless, you know, again, it's it's a good uh, play, the good thing to have on the record when Reclaim Idaho claims we're just representing the people of Idaho. No, you're not. <laughs> you're representing special interests and big government, and uh, it's time that that someone pulls the wool back from everyone's eyes so that they can see that. 
The Uniparty wants to make the Uniparty explicit. In other words, let's blur the lines between Republicans and Democrats. Scott Herndon says, basically, rather than competing on principle, Democrats want to change the rules of the game by eliminating political parties with their ballot initiative. I don't think he's wrong in this assessment either. Here's Brian Lenny weighing in. Former Republican Governor Butch Otter joins forces with a far-left socialist group to push a left-wing open primary agenda. And we're the extremists? Give me a break, Butch. By the way, you got to love the, the statesman's headline. Would open primaries curb extremism? Top Idaho Republicans back ballot initiative. Uh, again, top establishment Republicans, which means rhinos. Yes, they are backing the ballot initiative. But if you know what these people are up to, you understand. That's hardly uh, a good, you know, endorsement. I like what Commissioner Zach Brooks had to say. This is kind of a neat illustration. Okay, here's the open primaries illustrated. Each political party equals a baseball team, red and blue. Registered voters are the coaches, red and blue. The primary election is the tryouts to form each team. The general election, team red, plays team blue. Zach Brooks says, if you're a coach for Team Red, do you want Team Blue coaches deciding who makes your team? Because that's exactly what the initiative will do. Okay, that's kind of a good analogy for those who are are more sports-minded. Scott Herndon also notes that the Open Primaries Initiative is about power. Right now, several hundred thousand Republican voters in the primary have the power. By the way, someone pressed him on this. What do you mean several hundred thousand? And he he gave them exact numbers, 200 something odd thousand Republican voters. And the Democrats and their wealthy out-of-state donors want to take that power away from the engaged primary voters. Now, you may say, well, he's just trying to protect his own seat. But again, I would say, look at Scott Herndon's record. And if you can show me where anything he's done is specifically for just enhancing his power and his power alone and to to the benefit of special interests that own him, I'm all ears, but uh, I've seen him be very consistent in limiting the power of government to its proper role and standing up and being one of the few brave voices who says no when necessary to to keep government within its proper boundaries. You don't see that from the establishment ranks, and and for good reason. They they want to continue the game. They want to partake of the spoils. Herndon continues, longtime establishment R's who can't convince the primary voters because of their bad principles and voting records, have joined the D's to steal the power from the few hundred thousand. In the end, wealthy donors would be empowered to convince lower information voters at general elections. Now, some people took an exception. Well, you're saying that everybody who doesn't vote for you is a low information voter? No, but his point is well taken. Those with money to spend on political advertising can, in fact, sway those voters who do the equivalent of wetting their finger and sticking it up in the air as they step into the voting booth without having actually researched or done any due diligence as to what they're voting voting on. Okay, They're looking for names that give them warm fuzzies. And if you pay attention to political ads, how many political ads are focused on <clears throat> maybe not so much giving you the warm fuzzies, but actually giving you those feelings of abject horror, that lead ball in the pit of your stomach when talking about, you know, the, their opponent. The scare ads. And it's you know, it's just basic propaganda. Edward Bernays wrote the book on this over 100 years ago. Anybody who thinks it's not at play and hasn't been seriously upgraded and perfected in the ensuing 100 years, well, you're in for a very rude awakening. Now, Herndon does come back. He has one other comment on this. Um, this is... Uh, 
part three of, of his, his tweet. He says, so the whole open primaries initiative is to take the power of hundreds of thousands of Republican primary voters and put that power instead into the hands of wealthy donors and special interests that can deceive voters in general elections. Now, you may take this as a harsh thing, but it still needs to be said. The masses are always easier to fool than individuals. And the engaged voters that he's talking about in the primary elections are the individuals who tend to be more attached to principle than simply, well, does this person have a D or an R behind their name? The masses can be swayed. People go mad in masses, but they return to their senses singly, one at a time, and slowly. I think it was Charles Mackey, the Scottish philosopher, who, who said that. Nevertheless, that's the game afoot. If we can just get the masses more involved and, and get the masses' influence more strongly felt, we're dealing with people who are operating from a position of lower information and, and typically from a less uh, principle-based approach. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't change that. It doesn't mean that they're hopeless, okay? I'm not taking the Hillary Clinton route. They're deplorables. They're irredeemable. No. It's just most people choose not to be informed. And this is something that's well understood by politicians. This is why they really like to go that, that popular route. Because it's a lot easier to fool the masses than it is to fool the people who are actually paying attention. All right, let's take another, another stab at this. Heather Scott says, Governor Otter, former Governor Otter rather, and all these little, all these uniparty little R Republicans have sided with the Democrats. Maybe they think it's the only way they can benefit from the woke corporate machine. That's a good observation. Who knows why they're selling out Idahoans, but she says, here's their plan. Pass ranked choice voting in open primaries. Implement red flag laws. Number three, total gun control. Stand with the Idaho grassroots GOP and the Freedom Caucus to oppose Democrat ranked choice voting and gun control schemes. And, you know, I don't think she's wrong in this. I think that this is actually a very fair warning. Well, ostensibly, you know, this is what you want. They'll try to tell people. A majority of people voted for this, so therefore it must be what Idahoans want. They really want red flag laws, which will, of course, lead to gun control. It's, it's a preemptive law, which, uh, well, we think you might someday be a threat. Somebody thinks you might. I mean, we're playing, you know, the um, thought police game here. Bad idea. Not only do red flag laws deny due process, but uh, they allow anybody with an axe to grind. And boy, does uh, the political left and, and the uh, small R Republicans, boy, do they have an axe to grind. Who can, who can say with a straight face that it wouldn't be abused much the same way that, you know, sometimes protective orders are abused when, when a divorce is taking place. And uh, I just fear for my safety. And I just think we, he scares me. Please take his guns away. You know, and, you know, sometimes it may be justified. Most of the time, it's not. In other words, if, if, it's, if it's there as a tool to be abused, someone is going to abuse it. Better that we not have it there in the first place. All right, moving on. This is what established the establishment, uniparty rhinos like Butch Otter, Scott Simon, and their Marxist friends want for Idaho. This is a great analogy, and it shows how Stalin would defeat Lincoln in ranked choice voting. Now, I'm going to tell you right up front, I'm not a big Lincoln fan. I think that uh, Lincoln actually did a lot of harm, uh, but he's a beloved president and compared to Stalin and Mao, um, yeah, he probably would, would, uh, he would probably be a better example of, you know, someone who <laughs> at least at least ostensibly would stand more on the side of liberty than not. 
So the uh, the analogy goes like this. Ranked choice voting is how dark money and mob rules subvert democracy and defeat values voters, meaning people who understand their principles and vote their principles. The ranked choice system turns red states purple, then purple states blue. Now, if you doubt this, simply look where RCV is active. It's how Alaska's House seat went from a Republican, Representative Don Young, to the far-left extremist and activist Mary Pelota, Peltota, Peltola rather, in one election cycle. So to see how this works, here's the explanation. Abe Lincoln, Stalin, and Mao are running for office. No one has heard of Mao, but everyone knows Lincoln and Stalin. Because Lincoln voters are conservative or values voters, they would never rank Stalin or Mao as their second candidate, as neither hold their values. As there's little difference between Mao and Stalin, the voters rank each rank the other candidate as their second choice. Now here's where it gets interesting. In the election, Lincoln gets 49% of the vote, but that doesn't meet the threshold, 50% required for a clear majority win in ranked choice voting. Consequently, the election goes to an immediate machine runoff or ranked choice vote where Stalin receives 27% of the vote while Mao receives only 24%. But because Stalin and Mao voters ranked each other's candidates second, Stalin wins this election, the election rather, is his number of votes combined with Mao's votes, second choice, voters' second choice, surpasses the 50% threshold required to win. So Stalin wins despite Lincoln getting more votes. It's, it's a system that's unnecessarily complicated and it games the system. Add spoiler candidates for Lincoln and his percentages diluted even further. So ranked choice voting's evil genius lay in its ability to deny voters a clear choice while promising less divisiveness. Would a Lincoln voter agree? Ranked choice voting intentionally targets conservative tendencies to split votes while allowing far-left candidates to gang up on an unsuspecting electorate. So please don't sign pledges for the ranked choice scam and do not fall for the open border primary. Interesting. I, now, the borders, that's that's an issue that'll get some people, you know, pretty fired up as well. Scott Herndon also points out uh, in Idaho Press, Lori Otter gets it wrong in this story on multiple points. The sum is that some Republicans want to make the Idaho Republican Party more comfortable for the Democrats who can't compete on their own principles. I mean, this this picture of Butch Otter, yes, look, he's on the side of open primaries. It has been, you know, front page news at all of the corporate media outlets across the state. And I suppose this is to try to persuade Republicans that this is the way that you need to go. By the way, Heather Lauer also shared on Twitter an article from the Wall Street Journal, the ranked choice scam. What if you don't want a backup politician? That gets to the real problem with ranked choice. It's coercive and it forces voters to play its complex game or risk not being counted. By the way, excellent article. I don't have time to go into it here, but it really is a solid article that can give you some great insights into why ranked choice voting takes something that's not necessarily complicated and complicates it for the purpose of gaming the system and, again, diluting conservative values, diluting conservative candidates. All right, one final thought here. This is your guide to political language in Idaho. Probably a little something you ought to keep in mind. Anytime uh, you you hear a term being used, there's there's a way that uh, you might use the term versus the way the establishment uses the term. So the word conservative, when used by the establishment, comes out as extremist. Big spending liberal, as you might call a particular politician, comes out as common sense conservative. I would add to that uh, um, reasonable and pragmatic voters or reasonable pragmatic 
uh, legislators. Trans surgery, as you might call it, is called supportive health care. Don't you love that euphemism? Traditional values, as you might call it, translates as hate when it's in the mouth of the establishment. Look, there are a lot of word games and trickery going on at any given moment, and to, to, to not be fooled requires that you have to be on your toes. You have to be willing to look beyond just simply what's in the headlines and look beyond what's in the story and really measure it against, okay, but what do I know about this particular issue or what do I know about this particular candidate? Just know that there are very skillful and deceptive voices out there who are doing their best to try to convince people that, you know, if you just give up a little bit more of your freedom or just abandon your principles a little more to make others feel more comfortable, everything's going to work out just great. And it will for the people who want to water down your freedoms and who would like to uh, get you to separate from your principles. I don't know about you, but I get the sense that this is a time where we just cannot afford to, uh, to budge on our principles any further. We've given up far too much of, of the moral high ground. I don't think we can, can safely give up anymore without risking losing all of it. So you're going to be called names. You're going to be accused of being an extremist. You're going to be accused of embracing hate. These are people who don't like to hear no. It's, that's, that's part of their controlling nature. They do not like to be denied you know, absolute authority and obedience by those that they're telling what's best for them. So get used to it. You're going to attract you know, anger. You're going to attract attacks. You're going to be a bit of a lightning rod. That's okay. If ever there was a time for people to be willing to walk through the fire and speak the truth and hold firm to their values, this is that time. You just need to know that you're not alone. And despite uh, the deceptive practices of certain politicians and their enablers in the press, you're doing the right thing. Hopefully this show helps to emphasize that uh, you don't have to go along with the uh, open marriage approach to uh, politics in order to uh, to use your influence as a voter effectively. In fact, it's probably the last thing you need to do. There's a time for fidelity. I think this is that time. I'm Brian Hyde, and this is Nowhere to Hide. Voters are biased, the Idaho Press Club are biased, all media, newspaper, radio. To be completely blunt here, Brian, and there are plans to expand indoctrination. That's right. Well, Idahoans are also concerned. Horror shot. That line would be moving a little bit farther west. I'm like crying. Nobody wants to Dark see. Dark money is influencing policy in our state. Well, that's not how this works.